0: You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical.
1: Hey, Dave, how are you doing today? I am great, Nick. How are you? A perfect fall podcast Friday. Of course, every day should be. I haven't seen the sun for like six days, but I hear it's coming. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. Welcome <laughs> yeah, to Lansing well, welcome in the uh, fall. fall.
0: And... <laughs> All yeah. in the upper Midwest right it's uh, actually it's been beautiful up here the leaves are just uh, not not quite peak yet we're getting uh, we're getting some pretty good color outside though and it's it's been nice yeah so, wonderful tis the season the weekend my favorite time of the year
1: for sure football season in full swing. Football Lions even season. had had not only oh. had a primetime game but they won if you can believe that against the Packers I, I'm not
0: Campbell. I'm not ready to get on that bus yet but I will say <laughs> they look more competent this year than I have at any other point in my lifetime uh, I'm just waiting for the shoe to fall. I'm cautiously
1: yeah. optimistic. Yeah,
0: the, the ghost of Wayne Fonts is going to come back to get him at some point. But There you go. Anyway, it,
1: anyways, we got a good uh, podcast today. We're going to do another of our Michigan State University case studies. Yes, we're going to be talking about a retired couple with, with more than enough for retirement, which is actually a pretty common occurrence. It seems like it um, is with some of the folks yeah. we work with from Michigan State.
0: Yeah, it is through a confluence of things, just lifestyle and the fact that uh, the university has a very good retirement program and does a good job of getting people enrolled and uh, committing to saving early. You know, it, it, it seems I, as we were writing this up, it seems kind of funny to talk about people who other listeners may not think have problems. Right. Yeah. Right. But uh, and it's it's true. I mean, we've got to admit, these are, these are the fun problems to solve, but there's still things to solve for, right? Absolutely. It's
1: funny. Yeah. It's an interesting dynamic because, you know, if you have more than enough for retirement, do you really need a financial planner, right? But, yes. <laughs> as we will see as we go through this, there's a lot of value that a financial planner can add, not to mention peace of mind. Because one thing that I know is you don't get to retirement with more than enough without worrying about if you have enough.
0: So our potential clients, our prospects here are Ron and Julie. Ron's 71 and Julie is 70. They worked hard and saved well throughout their working years. They chose to stay in the Lansing area after retiring from Michigan State University. Their house is paid off. Their kids are out of college and launched, starting families of their own. Their oldest son and his wife just welcomed their first child last year, and their daughter's expecting grandchild number two later this year. Always frugal between their social security benefits and a modest draw from their retirement portfolio, they feel they have enough money to do all the things they want to do. As they enter their early seventies, they are concerned and required they were they are concerned with required minimum distributions from their portfolio, what that will mean for their taxes, and they worry that, about being forced to take from their accounts, that they won't have enough for down the road if they have to take from their accounts now when they're required to. They would like to help their new grandchildren with educational expenses. Their daughter and her husband would like to buy a house, but may need help with the down payment. Ron and Judy want to help, but Ron worries this would be unfair to their other to their son, and he is concerned with taxes as he heard there are rules about gifting.
1: Yeah, so um, what I was going to add to that, Dave, is it's like right out of the millionaire next door, right? Like right, if you read yeah. that book, like this is a perfect example of saved a bunch of money, didn't buy a bunch yeah. of unnecessary things, stayed in the same house, yeah, yeah, all those things added up to them having a real healthy, you know, retirement.
0: Took, took good advice along the way, maybe mm-hmm. maybe took it almost took it too well, right? Right, and uh, and so so now what?
1: So where we normally start here, and it's a great um, option for them as well, is uh, with a life planning, right? We want right. to figure out and prioritize what's most important to you. They are in their 70s, so you would think that life planning wouldn't be very useful at this stage of the game, but I would argue it's almost well, more useful as you go into retirement because, right. you know, I mean average you know, life expectancy for a couple in their 70s is probably 90s at this point so we we are still talking about another 20 years and yes they've done such a marvelous job of saving all this money like how do we maximize those 20 years how do you get the most enjoyment out of it and the resources that you have um and prioritizing what's important to you, right like right. is it more important to help the kids now or to give them a, a big inheritance later like there's a lot of stuff that come out of that life planning meeting and, and creating that vision that I think will be truly impactful for them to kind of get things in their mind as far as what they should be doing.
0: Getting that down and getting that out and kind of making, making a, a I mean, I always, I almost compare it to creating a mission statement Yeah. Of, of what you want to accomplish and what's important to you. You know, then we can go in and we can start hanging goals on that and come up with numbers and figure out how to, how to put it into, into action. That's the fun part, particularly with people in this situation who have the ability to do most of the things we they could possibly think of.
1: That statement of financial purpose, as, as Mr. Carl Richards would call it, is super important right. because it's kind of the basis for all the financial decisions that we make, right? Like, yes. what is your financial purpose? And then we make the decision about the finances based on that. And so it's kind of one of those where it's like, yeah, this might not be the best thing for you financially, but if you told me your goal, it was not necessarily to give away the most money possible when you die, then Mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe it does make sense to take a bigger distribution and give some of that money away or whatever it is. Right.
0: So after, after the life planning process, you know, we always work that into the, the financial planning process you know, and that's, that's where the, the, soft, the software and the spreadsheets and the projections come in to kind of say, yes, you know, here's the baseline. You've told us you plan to spend, you know, you need to spend $7,000 a month between the two of you. You've got $5,500 a month in social security coming in. You've got these resources, you know, that are more than adequate to, to create the rest. And this is, This is kind of how we would project, you know, best case, worst case scenarios for your portfolio as you, as you age, you know, even with these goals, it's going to continue to grow. So what do you want to do? Let's, let's come up with some, some other things.
1: Like as far as like when that plan is created and being able to go in and like stress test the plan, I Mm -hmm. think it's super helpful for people in this situation because a lot of (sighs) you know, because you're so good at saving means that yes. you also sometimes have what we would consider like a scarcity mindset. Scarcity of, mindset. Yes. I can't, you know, I can't give money to my kids because what if X or happens what or what if Y happens? Yeah. Or yeah. I can't use this money to take bigger vacations because this might happen. And we can kind of quell a lot of those concerns by going through, right. here's what would happen if that actually happened to you at this date and right.
0: time. And, right. Oh, hey, by
1: the way, it's not going to really affect your plan or what you want
0: or, or it changes discretionary things that, you know, you can, you're, it, it's not going to affect your standard of living monetarily. If, you know, we're talking, we're going to dr- drill down to some examples here in a minute, but if we're talking about gifting and, you know, a health situation or something crops up or the market doesn't behave as predicted, maybe you, you have to do less giving you're able to do less of those discretionary things, but it's not impacting your standard of living. It's it's a helpful thing for the people that go through that process
1: and see that it's kind of like a a relief, if you will, of hey, things are going to be okay. Like even if X, Y, or Z happens, you know, even yeah. if you know what some of the stress tests that we run, it, inflation remains high or the market crashes like 2008, or you have a long-term care event. Right. Like those are all things that we can model for you relatively easily right. to just show you that things are going to be okay. And we can make adjustments if we need to, but it's not going right. to end in devastation, if you will.
0: The other thing about building out a formal plan and projections for clients that aren't going to really struggle to make ends meet is to address that real common question for folks in their early seventies or late sixties right now is, oh my gosh, I've got all this money in 403B assets, IRA assets. And there's a lot of confusion about when required minimum distributions start now and when, how much they're going to be. And there's this perception that the government's going to put me in the position of taking all my money out and paying lots of taxes. yeah And usually when we actually put this down on paper and show people what it looks like, it's much less scary than they think it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, for Ron and Julie, you know, they, they wouldn't start until 73 under the current rules. And, you know, we, uh, we map out kind of what that would look like if there's average returns on the portfolio.
1: Obviously that's a big part of it. It plays a part into the tax picture, but people get a little bit worried about it. Like just cause you're taking out doesn't necessarily mean you need to spend it. You just got to pay the taxes on it. Right. Right. Like,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> goes from one bucket to the other bucket. You take, you pay the tax bill. And yes. like, it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be as big a deal as sometimes it seems. Yeah. But yeah, it can eventually over time have tax ramifications that there's things that we could consider doing to keep that a little bit more in line. But it's definitely not as big of a stress as sometimes it's made out to be.
0: We could start talking to, uh, to Ron and Julie about specific goals, such as they've got grandkids coming, they want to they wanna be in a position to help with education expenses you know, it's quite common for us to help grandparents set up 529 savings plans for their grandkids. Uh, We can actually model out how, you know, the cost of education might change or might look over the next uh, 18 years and, you know, come up with some some ways to think about funding that one thing that's always interesting you know you have new grandparents with with the first grandchild and they come in and they're really excited because they know they've got room in their plan to do things and they want to you know let's pay for this this kid's college and get this like set up so that they never have to worry about that or our kid our kids don't have to worry about it the way we did when they were getting they were in high school mm-hmm. and it's always fun to say okay um you've got one grandchild right now what happens when um, there's two what happens when there's three what happens <laughs> yeah. when there's four or five and i've had that happen you know early in my career i remember start you know a client setting aside a whole bunch of money for grandchild number 1 and 10 15 years later we were on grandchild number 8 and it was like yeah we uh, you know it wasn't that we had any problems but we went from like i want to pay for everything You know, completely to I can commit X dollars per grandchild. (laughs) You know, right? So, so, so again, there is some financial planning involved and some some thought process involved in figuring out like what's a sustainable goal that you're comfortable with. Yeah, absolutely. And and another
1: thing that we kind of touched on in the summary, but that's interesting here is, and, and we see it quite often, is sometimes you know if you have more than one child. Maybe only one of your kids has grand, has kids themselves, so you right. have grandkids for one child, and the other child doesn't have grandkids, and so then it's always the dynamic right. of, am I helping, you know, my first am child being, more because they have kids versus the yeah. other one, and is that fair? And there's a lot yeah. of, you know, kind of thought that goes into that, and and maybe stress around that. Like I want to be fair to each kid. How do I right. you know, think through the dynamics of I'm helping my grandkids for one of my kids. My other kid doesn't have grandkids. So how do yeah. I even that out, if you will?
0: Right, right. And, you know, in our little scenario, we talked about uh, Ron and Julie's daughter and her husband getting ready to buy a house mm-hmm. and, and, and needing help with a down payment. But uh, yeah, how do you... So how how can we, we talk about, you know, the idea of fairness and whether it's it's... Unequal number of children and grandchildren for education versus needing money now versus later. I would say the first step that I would uh, address
1: there, Dave, is, i mean what what is your values when it comes down mm-hmm. to fairness, right? Because everybody's going to be a little bit different. And some people might believe like every penny needs to be split evenly or as evenly as possible. and some other people might take the philosophy of, Different kids need different things at different times. Mm-hmm. It's never necessarily going to be exactly the same, right? No matter how right. hard you try. And, and I think I right. would even take a step further back, and I would look at money scripts as a potential. Like, where does that <laughs> value come from? And, and let's think about that. It was like, it was a, how you were treated by your parents. Is that affecting mm-hmm. potentially how you're treating your own kids? And then the other thing that I would say is let's open up those communication lines and actually have a conversation with your kids because your kids might not feel the same way you do about whether you're giving more money to grandkids and one kid versus the, you know, there's a lot of dynamics there that I think can be solved by doing those couple of things and really thinking through how you want to be intentional about it doesn't always necessarily have to be even. So that's kind of the first step that I would take. And then there's always ways to even it up in the end if you want to, as far as percentages of beneficiaries. If you help one kid more than the other, you could potentially, you know, account for that later on if you wanted to. I mean, there's a couple different ways to do that. But I think the biggest thing in that is communication, right?
0: I've had clients over the years do it pretty much every way you possibly could. I've had some that just said, I'm not worried about it. My kid, you know... My, my my daughter has a, and her husband are financially set. My other children need more help. And that's just mm-hmm. what I'm going to do. I've had others that said, okay, if I'm giving $15,000 to Judy and her husband for a down payment, I'm just going to turn around and give $15,000 to Bobby Jr. And he can use it how he wants just to keep things fair. I've had others like adjust the percentages in their beneficiary agreements. I've had Mm -hmm. some who just kind of the kids kind of had an accounting, you know, knowing how to settle things based on the estate. My overall experience, and I guess, you know, this is anecdotal and I'm sure there's every family's different. Like you said, money scripts, all that plays a role. This probably lives in parents' heads more than it does in their kids. I've I've had clients pass away and the kids kind of chuckled about how mom was so worried about it being fair for everybody and they didn't, you know, they didn't really care. So you just never know. You just never know. At a certain point, you just need to make a decision and move on.
1: And I would uh, uh, echo that in terms of like, do whatever makes you feel the best and stresses you yeah. out the least because yeah. ultimately it's your money, right? Like if it's right. stressing you out to make sure the kids are even... You know, you need well, to really think about how that affects you and, and the decisions you're making,
0: and find a yeah. solution that you feel good about and stick with it. And very, very rarely in my experience are adult children counting on a inheritance to yeah you know, fix their financial situations. And I guess I'm that in that situation. You know, we deal with a lot of younger retirees you know, folks in their 60s or 70s that are dealing with or have recently dealt with their own parents passing and those folks are clients the you know if they if the generation 2 are clients of ours you know we're not counting on you know x dollars coming from mom's estate to you know pay off a mortgage or to put somebody through college you know we mm-hmm. don't we don't ever promote that as sound financial planning
1: yeah. It's usually more of a, Hey, you know, my mom's pretty well off. If it happens, we might get an inheritance, yeah. but we're not like, it's not right. part of our plan until it happens right. and we won't worry right. about it. And right. we'll make sure mom uses her money to take the best care of herself that she can and deal with the, you know, whatever's left at that point, if we need to.
0: One thing that we, we mentioned in the summary is that uh, Ron in our little scenario was worried because he'd heard there were you know t- tax rules around giving money to to their kids. And I think people make a lot more of that than they generally need to. It's not that it's something you completely ignore, but you know, essentially, you can give seventeen thousand dollars per gift or um, I'm sorry, per recipient mm-hmm. per gifter in this year. So a husband and wife can give thirty four thousand dollars to one of their children. Another thirty-four thousand dollars to that child's spouse, with right. no, without doing anything, right? And and the 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 catch is, if you go over that, you don't. No one owes tax on it, at least not right away, unless you're fortunate enough to be in a situation where your estate is so large that you're going to have to pay estate taxes. But right. it has to be documented on a gift tax return that mm-hmm. you used up some of the. Estate tax exclusion that you're allowed to use during your lifetime. So, right. you know, if your child needs $30,000 to purchase a house, you can do that and, and you can give them that money. And if it's more than $17,000 per person giving it per recipient, then you just have to make sure you document it when you do your taxes.
1: Yeah, That one always gets like, it's like a little bit bigger deal than people make it out to be, um, you know, but again, we don't normally run into clients that have estate tax (laughs) issues. (laughs) So that's just a function of how far up the
0: estate tax exclusion has gone in the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. It's been, it's been quite a while since, since, uh, since it was an issue for us to really worry
1: about the gift tax form is not that big a deal if you no. do go over and you have to do that as a part of your taxes no. it's really not no. it's pretty not minor in the grand scheme of things yeah.
0: you know other other things that i've seen clients do is family trips take all the kids and grandkids to disney world or you know some on a cruise or you know something something neat like that i've i've had clients that every year for a number of years rented out the same set of cabins on a lake for a week every summer and got the whole family together. These are not inexpensive endeavors, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, they say, spend your money on, on experiences, right. And, uh, family connections. So if that's your, you know,
1: going back to the life plan, if that's like your value, I want to have these great relationships with my kids and
0: grandkids. Yeah, a
1: great way to support that with the resources that you have. Right.
0: Other things that I, I think you and I are, are inordinately proud of how much money our clients give away every year. Absolutely. And, um, you know, there's some neat new tools now for, for retirement planning. Um, and, uh, And, um, giving money away from your, uh, pre-tax retirement accounts around qualified charitable distributions Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, back to Ron's concern in our scenario about required minimum distributions. Well, in, you know, in their case, if, if giving money away to charity is valuable to them, you know, starting at 70 and a half. So before you're even required to take money out of your IRA, you can start giving away up to a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Um, and, and not pay tax on that money coming out of your IRA. And that in turn then reduces your required minimum distributions down the road or in years when you have required minimum distributions it can be used to help satisfy. So that's, that's a pretty cool thing.
1: It's super helpful because a lot of people with the changes in tax law don't actually itemize. And so if you just gave a gift <laughs> to a charity, usually you can't use that on your taxes. And here's a way to... Give a gift to charity and not pay taxes on money that is not yet taxed and you'll have to pay taxes on at some point. So it's a good way to get around that and to do something good and to get a economic mm-hmm.
0: tax benefit as a result. You know, and outside of retirement accounts. In our little uh, scenario here, Ron and uh, Ron and Julie had a significant amount outside of retirement accounts as well, along with um, appreciated stock. And there's some neat things you can do as far as charitable gifting in those situations. You can set up donor advised funds. You can give gifts of appreciated stock. There's lots of potential planning that we can help with that allows clients to do some pretty cool things as far as supporting charities without costing them as much as it would otherwise by reducing future tax bills.
1: And then another thing to think about is estate planning, Dave. Let's walk Mm -hmm. through maybe some thoughts on that.
0: It's important to make sure things are going to go where you want them to go, particularly when (laughs) your estate is likely to be large enough that you're not going to spend, you know, you know in ron and julie's case we would be expecting you know a quite a quite a legacy potentially so thinking through how beneficiary designations are set up and how they want that money to pass to children and grandchildren and charities in general once they're gone you know there's there, we're kind of talking about two different opportunities here right there's there's lifetime gifts Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things we always tell people, you want to really make sure your money goes where you want it to go and gets used how yeah. you want it to you'd Do you be used. Do it during your lifetime. Right. Um, but then, you know, beyond that, looking at estate planning, you know, are our, our trusts needed? Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. You know, are beneficiaries designated correctly? Are you taking care of the things you want to have taken care of?
1: A couple of quick notes. I, I think there's a couple different schools of thought on some of this too, when there's grandkids involved, right? Like some people mm-hmm. will just say, I'm going to give my, you know, half to one child, half to the other. And the child with kids can deal with the kids, how they see fit. Yep. And yep. then there's other people that want to specifically build in certain things for their grandkids, right? So whether that's yes. like, hey, College funding, we'll set up an account or we'll set up a trust that pays for college or weddings or whatever it is Mm -hmm. to make sure that the grandkids know that grandpa and grandma wanted them to have a college education or whatever it is. That's personal preference thing that you really need to kind of think through how you want to do that. But I've seen it both ways, right? Give it to the kids. They can decide and other people want to make very distinct gifts and make sure it gets to that person at that
0: time. When clients ask me about this stuff, I lean, you know, my bias is, you know, do the best you can while you're alive to instill the right values and teach the right lessons and let them know how you want the money to be used, but don't be overly controlling from beyond the grave. Right? Yeah, for but, sure. But, um, you know, we've, we've always got to be careful about presupposing our values onto, onto our clients. Um, True. and, you know, and this is a situation too, where we, we can provide guidance, but it's really, you know, everybody needs to see an estate planning attorney that, uh, that they trust to really make sure the documents are done right and, um, and laid out correctly. And I always tell clients, I can't, you know, we're not going to write the estate plan for you sit down with a competent attorney. They'll walk you through all the different possibilities and the legal reasons why you do things a certain way. And then they'll come back to us with marching orders with a, with a funding plan that says, okay, based on my discussion with Ron and Julie, you know, designate their beneficiaries on their retirement accounts this way and set up their, um, after tax investments in, you know, with a trust as a beneficiary or maybe not, or, you know, whatever that, whatever makes sense after those conversations. And, uh, you know, we just make sure then that the plan gets implemented right.
1: And the other thing to think about estate planning wise, too, is like the probably more concerning, important thing is if you can't make financial or medical decisions, who's going to make them for Mm -hmm. you? And making sure that you not only make that election, but that it fits with kind of what you want to have happen. And I would even take it a step further of have that conversation, right? Have that family Mm -hmm. meeting of here's what my wishes are. Here's what I want done. Here's who I put in charge and here's why. Because if you don't, then, you know, basically someone's taking some documents that you wrote and trying to think through what (laughs) they probably would best want, (laughs) that may not be what you want. So I think communication is a big part of that for sure.
0: And as one of our trusted estate planning uh, associates put it, if you don't make a plan, the uh, state of Michigan or wherever you live will will make one for yeah. you. So, <laughs> right, Yep. So you, <laughs> you get the uh, you state of Michigan estate plan, <laughs> right? And so, so the, I guess the last thing I'd say about that is estate planning. Every a everybody needs to do it. Not just Ron and Julie here in our scenario. It doesn't matter how much money you have. You need to you need to pay attention to these things. Also, too, it's one of those things nobody wants to do. I didn't want to do it. You don't want to do it. Our clients mm-hmm. don't want to do it. Nobody wants to sit down and talk about that stuff everybody feels better after they do it yep 100 <laughs> percent. i haven't had anybody come back and say oh my gosh that was a complete waste of my time
1: yeah why you did know? you make me
0: do that again <laughs> right, right. It's, it's always you know we put it off we put it off and we put it off and then we did it and now we know it's taken care of and we don't have to think about it again for a while <laughs> right yeah so exactly it's up there with going to the dentist and other things like that but you know i guess um I I haven't, I've yet to see anybody, sorry, they did it. All right. We kind of, kind of got further astray from uh, Ron and Julie than we'd intended. I guess, you know, in summary, you know, just because you're able to pay for, pay the bills and, you know, not necessarily have to worry about the market ups and downs and the day to day cost of living doesn't mean that financial planning doesn't help you apply, Mm -hmm. right, Absolutely. I guess one of, the, one of the more interesting things about working with this client type is the dynamic of, you know, folks that are in this position got there by hard work and savings and changing that mindset when they can mm-hmm. isn't easy. So, absolutely, um, you know, it's difficult to change those habits once you get into retirement. And sometimes that makes retirement scarier for them mm-hmm. because they're so, or, or just as scary as if their accounts were half the size they are because their mentality is such that there's, there's not going to be enough. Yeah. It kind of goes back to
1: that scarcity of mindset. And one of the things that yeah. we didn't talk about that I think is important for someone like this is, you know, at 70, you're, on the cognitive decline, right? Like Mm -hmm. making decisions, things like that are going to get harder and harder. It's just the way it is, the way, you know, the the brain works. And so having that relationship, setting it up, having someone that knows how or what you want and being able to work with them to for them to manage everything and let you know it's going to be okay, it's more and more important as that progression continues, right? And so I think it's just one of those dynamics that people kind of forget about or don't want to talk about. That's super Definitely. important.
0: Definitely. All right. Anything else to say about Ron and Julie?
1: I don't think so. This has been a fun one. We got into yeah. a lot more than I thought we would, well, but it just know, goes to show you how important it, it planning is, even if you <laughs> have a great jump start. right?
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: So... As always, been a pleasure, Dave. To our listeners out there, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to reach out to us at info at srbadvisors.com. As always, been a pleasure, Dave. Thanks, Nick.
0: Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at